Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. There are times in our lives when in an instant, things can take a turn for the worse. Whether it be a health challenge, the loss of a loved one, or the end of a relationship. In these moments, what does faith look like and what's the role of a church community? In this episode, we spoke to Manushka Charles, a church leader based in Miami. At the start of 2018, she was involved in a horrific car crash that almost claimed her life and resulted in her being in a coma for 10 days. In this episode, she spoke about the process of healing, dealing with the loss of expectation when you lose things and the importance of surrounding yourself with those who can uplift you during such seasons. It's an incredible interview. Let's listen in. Thank you so much for speaking to me. I'm so, so honoured because you're oh so, um, I remember seeing it first on DC's Instagram and then obviously like your whole church and so many people were praying around the world. Yeah. Um, and also I've watched some of your sermons as well on um, YouTube. So yeah, really excited to chat to you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It really means a whole lot to me. Thank you. So my first question is if you could have dinner um, with four guests from any era, who would they be and why? Because I love to ask this question just to get a vibe of who are the types of people that you love to spend yeah. time with. I think I would go for Maya Angelou, um, Oprah Winfrey, Michelle Obama and Beyonce. I think those would be my people that I'm having dinner with. A lot of them are from the same era, but um, I think that'd be my four. I think I love them. I, I, I follow their life and, and I think I've just been able to see all the amazing things that they've been able to do and accomplish in their level of wisdom. Um, and so, yeah, those are my four for sure. Amazing. And I love how they're all connected to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a, a, a thread there between who they are <laughs> um and then my next question is maybe what's a surprising or interesting fact that people might not know about you i play three different instruments i play the guitar the bass and the trumpet trumpet was my first instrument oh, wow. um, that i played growing up and then i kind of transitioned out of trumpet and jumped onto the guitar and then the bass I kind of had to learn just because there was a service that there was no bass player and they're mm-hmm. like you play guitar can you please learn this song in one hour and I'm pretty sure it was the worst service <laughs> that uh, had ever happened because I was like I don't know what I'm doing um, but we made it through and so I kind of fell into playing bass but fell in love with it and, and you know grateful that I, I get to play. Um, and then finally, obviously, you're so involved in community and church, but how do you find time to switch off and relax and what do you do? Yeah, I think for me, like I've kind of created time where I'm like, hey, this is my Sabbath and I've kind of taken Saturday as that day. And so for me, what I like to do is I'll just go for a walk. I'll kind of shut off my social media. Um, I like to cook. And so on on my Sabbath, I won't cook because it's work <laughs> and energy of cooking and cleaning. I was like, I don't want that. So that's my day that I do take out. Um, and I'll just spend the day seeing how I can really take away from screen time if I don't have to be doing work or anything like that. And I, and I try to create good boundaries around that day. So it's just like knowing that, Hey, Saturdays are the day I have Fridays off, but I've kind of chosen Saturday, um, as the day that I'm like, okay, like social media is off. 
I'm not cooking. I'm not cleaning. I'm just relaxing and, and trying to find time and quiet time with God. Love that. Um, so I always like to go back and um, hear about people's childhoods because I think often that shapes who we are today or maybe experiences positive and negative. So I'd love to hear more about your childhood, where it was, what it was like, the values that shaped who you are um, today. Yeah, definitely. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and um, that was a beautiful experience, I think. I love being from Brooklyn. I love living in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's such an incredible place that is just a different mold of cultures and all of that. And so I grew up, uh, my parents are from Haiti. And so I am Haitian American and I'm a first generation American. My parents were born and raised in Haiti and they grew up there and then they moved to America to find a, you know, a better life. And for me, I grew up just being around these different cultures and being around really who my parents were. And then also this, other big world of living in New York City. And so my childhood was just parents who worked really hard to make a better life. And I'm just so grateful for them. And I think they just instilled so many different values in me. And I think uh, the most important things for them was just like, all right, you're going to go to school, you're going to go to church, and you're going to go home. That's it. <laughs> you know, that's all you had. And, and like my dad was like, are you going to get good grades? You're going to do really well in school. And, and, and that really instilled in me values of um, taking time to study and to actually try hard at things. And my mom was the one who had the big background of you're going to go to church and you're going to serve God. And even though I didn't all the way understand what that meant at the time, I'm so grateful that she instilled that in me and just the value of family and friendship and loving people. And so I think I grew up with amazing parents. I've got two brothers who are awesome. I got to grow up with around amazing people who really have shaped who I am today. Love that. Um, so I want to ask a follow-up question because um, I'm a child of immigrants as well and I yeah. think in different ways it shaped who I am. Um, I'd love to hear more about particularly how that experience shaped you. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it shaped me a whole lot because you, you realize how different it is when, you're, uh, when your parents are immigrants versus if your parents are from, you know, I know you, if from America, it's such a difference. I was like, oh, like I remember growing up in school, I'm like, oh, the, you don't say those words this way or you don't do things that way. Like I got to learn a whole lot about what the differences are, but the value of my culture was so rich and what I got to learn of everything that my parents had to go through to actually allow me to have a better life. I'm like, they had to learn a, an entire new language and they had to find jobs and they did all of this so that we could have uh, a better life. And for me, I think that shaped knowing that I want to work that hard. Like if my parents worked this hard in a country that was foreign to them to afford me different opportunities for me, I was like, I don't want to throw that away and I don't want to waste that away. Like I want to be able to um, make them proud. Um, I want to actually show for what they've actually done. And, and for me, it just instilled the value of hard work, dedication, um, just looking back from where I come from, just like when I visited Haiti for the first time and just seeing where my parents grew up and where they came from, I, I was just like, wow, like how fortunate am I to grow up in a country like America and to have so many opportunities that they never had. And so it really has shaped who I am to know that um, there's nothing that's impossible. Like it, it really is all about having the drive and the tenacity to want to make something of not just my life. I think for them, it was all about what they were passing down. And for me, like I want to do something for legacy, just watching the way that they've done that for me. I love that. 
Um, and so you spoke about how your mom, well, both your parents encouraged you to serve and get involved in church. Um, but we all know that growing up in a Christian household doesn't make us a Christian. So how did you come to faith and what was your journey like? Yeah, I'd agree. Like for me, I think church at first was just a social gathering. I was like, all my friends are here and we get to hang out. And, and that was it. Like whenever the sermon was being preached, you would, we would literally automatically leave and we would be hanging out with each other. And so like for us, church was just my, my friends and I, it was a social gathering. And um, it was not until probably like 16 or 17 where I had an encounter with God. I, I remember being at um, a youth conference and hearing somebody preach. And I can't even remember the sermon, but I just know that I was just like weeping and crying next to my youth leader. And I just felt like, wow, I need to fully surrender my life to Jesus. Like it was a light bulb moment where all the things that I had heard over the years finally started to make sense that Jesus loved me and he wanted a better life for me and, and that he had so much in store for me. And growing up in church, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I got saved multiple times. So I, I can't really pinpoint. I was always at the front. <laughs> I was like, I can't just say that was the only moment because I probably got saved 15 to 20 times after that because I was like, I got to make sure it's, it sticks. You know, I'm not sure if that first time worked because I did some things after that. And so um, I think there's just so many different opportunities and different encounters with God that shaped me where um, it's just like not even just one it's like there's one encounter I'm like okay I remember surrendering my life to Jesus but then there are other encounters where I know that there were defining moments of the way that I wanted to live my life and the way that I wanted to represent Christ um, so speaking of community, obviously we were saying before, that's how I got to hear about you is through your mm-hmm. church community. Um, and I know that your church from even looking at the outside in really supported you during different seasons. Um, so going back to 2018, can you tell us how that started for you? Yeah, I think 2018 was a year that I was really hopeful. It was my second year in full-time ministry and I was excited to make improvements. I was excited to get better. I was excited to really uh, see what the year had in store. I had all these plans and all these things that I wanted to accomplish in 2018, but February 2nd um, was a day that completely changed my life. I was on my way to a wedding in Mexico and uh, it was supposed to be a 24 hour trip to Mexico. And we had landed in Cancun and uh, we were taking a two-hour drive to Tulum. It was me and my friend Mariana, who's a part of Vu Church. And on our way to Tulum, to our hotel, probably about 10 to 15 minutes away from our destination, we got into a car accident. And I think that moment was a moment I'll never forget. It was one of those that it just felt like an outer body experience. Like I wasn't sure if what was happening was real. I was like, am I in a dream? What's happening? Um, I think I was in and out of consciousness. And, and I feel like when I did come back into consciousness, I was like, okay, I think something bad is happening right now. And in that moment, I remember somebody opening up the van door and pulling me out of the car and laying me on the side of the road. And I was in more pain than I had ever felt in my life. And I remember just screaming out for help, screaming out for my friend Mariana because I couldn't see her. I really couldn't see anything. My vision was so blurred because my body was in so much shock and in so much pain. I just remember screaming out for help and I'm in a country and I don't speak the language. Um, And it was, I prayed just a short prayer. I said, God, I don't want to die. And uh, I remember getting to the ambulance and uh, being in the hospital. I I still couldn't see anything, but I remember hearing voices that were familiar. We had some friends who were attending the wedding that had drove over to the hospital. I think the last thing that I kind of remember was someone saying, hey, you uh, ruptured your spleen. 
we have to go into emergency surgery to remove it. And so um, they went in and I remember them cutting off clothes and it's probably the last that I probably remember. Um, and for the next 10 days I was in a coma and what they had realized is that when they went in to remove my spleen, there was all these other damages to my internal organs and um, I was bleeding. I was bleeding out and they were doing all these things to save my life. And so it was really the fight of my life for for 10 whole days where people were unsure what was going to happen. The doctors were unsure of how it was going to turn out. But thankfully, uh, 10 days later, I woke up from that coma and started my journey of recovery and got a chance to come back to Miami and even probably about two weeks after being in Miami, went to do some checkups and they had found out that I actually had, um, my back was broken and it was something that they had missed in Mexico just because all that they were doing was trying to save my life immediately. And they didn't do all the necessary checks that was supposed to happen. And the doctors were looking at my x-rays and they're like, there's like, I don't even know how you're walking right now. And my bones had kind of fused incorrectly and I was in pain, but I didn't know why I was in pain because everything hurt. So it was really hard to identify one, one thing over the other. And so I uh, went into uh, surgery to fix my back. And then that started me again on the road to recovery. And so uh, that year was a journey of just pain and recovery and, and suffering. But I saw how God really used all of that, um, even in a season where it was just the lowest of my life. And um, I was unsure what the rest of my life was even going to look like. But I saw God redeem that time and redeem that story. Wow, gosh. That's because I'm sure you've got used to telling the story, but just everything yeah. here is, is just, yeah. you know, words. Um, so on that, I know that you said that you really saw the goodness of God, but for a lot of people, when they go through challenges, it can really yeah. shake their faith to the core. But were there any times along that journey, even when you said that you weren't sure what your life was going to look like, where you felt angry with God or, um, just confused about faith what was your kind of faith journey as a result of the process and also kind of as you said recovery and then needing to go back into hospital to the kind of back and forth what was that like for you spiritually and emotionally yeah I think that season was one where I was trying to even navigate um my spirituality I think I never gave up faith in that season because that one prayer that I prayed, God, I don't want to die. God answered that. So I woke up and I think I was so grateful to be alive um, that despite all that had happened, I knew that it could have turned out a whole nother way. Um, I know that things could have happened um, where, you know, there could have been some lifelong issues for me. And so for me, even though it was was a tough road, I think spiritually, I knew that God had saved me. But for me, I think that season, it was really hard for me to pray. And it was hard for me to read my Bible. And it was hard for me to even feel like I could connect to God. And um, in that season, I was kind of really trying to be intentional about seeking counsel and, and being around people who could encourage me and people that were in my life was just like, Hey, I know that you feel like you can't pray right now, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to pray for you. We're here to pray with you. And really I just found strength in the prayers of other people because I didn't have the strength to do it myself. I didn't have the strength to pray myself. I didn't have strength to read God's word myself. And and I just tried to just have people around me who were praying for me. I tried to listen to sermons to help me to even get around, you know, understanding how to get back into a place where I could communicate with God, even when I felt like it was difficult. And so I was never angry with God, but I did find that it was really hard to communicate and to connect with God 
um, personally in that season. I think there was just a lot of stuff going on in my life where I just felt disconnected. And um, at first I felt guilty for feeling disconnected, but just having some conversations with people, it was like, hey, like there's no reason for you to feel guilty. There's no reason for you to feel this weight. Just, you know, allow yourself time. I think for me, like I was trying to get back to every bit of normalcy that I could, that I, that I just had to learn to give myself some time and to learn that every season is not going to be a season where I completely feel like I hear the voice of God or I can sense him that I just have to be patient with myself. And that's what I started to do. I was just like, I'm just going to be patient with myself and be patient with my journey with God and just learning how to navigate through this spiritually and emotionally. And for me, it was, it was connecting with people, allowing people to speak into my life, to pray over me, to um, just making sure that I was being clear with how I felt and not keeping my emotions to myself. So I, I really was intentional about being open and vulnerable about what I was thinking and what I was feeling in that season so that my thoughts weren't staying all to myself. Wow. What did you learn in that time about your community and support system that maybe you might not even even known before this process? Yeah. Like I think I thought, I thought I knew I had a great community, but it was so evident in that season. I, my mom had moved in with me from New York and I had friends and family from New York coming to visit and they were completely shocked. They're like, who are these people? Why are they so nice? And they love you so much. Like they just couldn't even wrap their minds around the community that surrounded me. And that helped ease their anxieties of being away from me during this time. Yeah, I was just so thankful that God had put me in a community that really uh, cared for me, a community that showed me the love of Jesus. And so like that whole idea of being the hands and feet of Jesus, I felt the love of Jesus through um, community and through just the way that people loved and helped me when I couldn't help myself. There was a lot that I could not do on my own and people literally would take time off of work. People would get up early to be at my house to help me with certain things. And I really just saw love in action in that season of my life. Um, What has the road to recovery been like? The road to recovery, I think starting back at that year, um, it, it was one that was definitely challenging at first because I was trying to, I just wanted to get better as fast as I could. And um, it did take me learning that I needed to slow down and just be patient with my recovery in order for me to actually heal correctly. Um, That was the biggest thing. It's like you can't rush certain things. And so had to wear a back brace for a really long time. And I had to go to physical therapy and I had to learn certain things over again. And it was really all about staying the course and not giving up even when it looked difficult. And so um, just been on this journey of, recovering and getting my body to feel healthy and making sure that I was doing the right things. And, and I've been running again, which is so like, I, like every time I run, I think back, I was like, man, I couldn't even like walk up the stairs two years ago. And so I've just been doing things where I'm pushing myself. Sometimes when you're in recovery, it's sometimes it's more mental than it is physical. So like for me with my back, I'm like, Oh, well, there's certain things that I can't do. And I know I do have certain limitations, but I try to make sure that I'm not limiting myself based on what I feel in my mind. And I'm actually doing what I can do to actually push my body to where I know that it can actually go and what it can do. And so it's been a journey physically, emotionally, mentally of knowing that there is more that I can continue to get better. And I feel like I'm always on this road to recovery. There's things that I know will never be the same. Um, Like some people say, Hey, is everything like 
back to normal. I was like, it, it, things will never be normal because um, just a lot of things had, had went, you know, there's a lot of things that happened to my body. A lot of things that happened that it'll never go back to normal, but I'm, I'm learning how to navigate through the new season of what my body feels like now and, and what I deal with now and learning how to take that one day at a time and take that one season at a time. And, and knowing there's, there's some times where whenever it's like, the, the anniversary, like you get all these memories and all these things and just learning how to navigate through that. And all of that is part of recovery too, of just processing the thoughts and learning how to sit with it and think about it. Mariana and I, who both went through this accident, we try to be really intentional about processing our thoughts and how this accident has affected us in different ways. And so we, we make sure that it's really important about speaking out about it and speaking to each other, speaking to friends because we know that our recovery is ongoing. You know, what we're dealing with, it, it's, it's an everyday process that, that we really do have to just put one foot in front of the other. Wow. Um, so speaking of that, um, how in faith and um, I guess being able to be vulnerable with God, can we grieve losses? Um, so losses of expectation, you know, maybe even thinking, say, if someone's been married and they had hoped for a lifelong marriage and it doesn't work out, how do you, um, in your relationship with God through prayer and reading the Bible, how did you learn to grieve the loss of maybe expectations that you had? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think the way that we can do that is learning how to let go. And sometimes that term can seem insensitive or it can seem like um, it's easier said than done, but sometimes we do have to let go of the hope of what the past could have been. Sometimes we hold on to that, like, oh, it could have been like this and we replay it and we replay things in our mind. And if this happened this way, then this would have never happened. And um, that's honestly just an unhealthy way to think of things. And so I think the healthy way to look at it is like, all right, it didn't work out the way that I wanted to or thought it did or this happened to me and and there's nothing I can do about it. But how can I look forward? How can I look towards the future? How can I look towards what God is doing in the now? And I think just being present in the moment and being present in what God is doing um, is so key and so important of just learning how to say, hey, I actually have to let go of this hope have to let go that this could have turned out any differently. I have to let go of it shoulda, coulda, wouldas, because that won't change anything. I actually have to see, hey, God, how can I put my faith and trust in you to be able to move forward? How can I put my faith and trust in you that things can get better and things will get better and that you'll work this all out? And so, um, yeah, it's it's learning how to surrender it to God and, and just trusting God with our future and trusting God with our now, because Uh, We really can't change our past. We can't change what happened to us, but we can allow it to shape us. We can allow it to help us become who God is calling us to be. So how have you learned to trust in God's plan, but still be hopeful whilst balancing that with the reality of human existence? For that, like I've just looked back on what God has already done and looking at his faithfulness. And if he did it before, he could do it again, where Um, there are moments where we're just like the, the church, the Christianese is really hard to digest of, all right, it's just going to be all right. And just (laughs) keep trusting and keep believing, but like, but no, but it really, it sucks right now. And that's the reality of it. Um, but I think it's important to not like not negate that, like that it's still, all of that is still true. God's still going to work things out. Like God is for us and he's faithful, but I think that it's so important to, 
Like for me, I've just learned it's so important for me to not to feel things on my own and to not just allow myself to tell the story and just the narrative. I just, I want to get other people involved in my story. I want to get other people involved in my life. So when I do feel like, um, I want to give up or where I do feel like I don't want to hear this, that I have people around me that can bring me into reality, that people can bring me into, Hey, you can hold on to faith because God has done this for me. I love hearing stories of people who can testify about God's faithfulness because that's what gives us hope. That's the good news of this is what God has done. And I think just even when we think about in the new Testament where people were meeting Jesus and encountering Jesus and wanting to give their life, it's because they had heard of all the incredible things that he had done. There were people that were talking about how good Jesus was and how amazing he was and all that he had done. And I think it's our responsibility to share that. When we share our stories, when we share, hey, this is what I went through and God took me out of it, it encourages people to to know that, hey, if God did it for that person, I think God can do it for me. Like, that's the same God. Like, I can, I believe that he can save me from this if he saves somebody else from that. Just just looking at God's track record, just knowing who God is and knowing his characteristics and his nature of that he'll never fail us, even when we feel like we're failing, that he's going to be there for us. And it's just getting around voices who can remind us of that, people that can remind us of the goodness of God, that even just looking through the word of God to say, hey, I know his word is true. I can reach out to to God's word and and see all that God has done. And and that really helps pull us out from a place where we feel like we're hopeless and we feel like um, there's no future for us. We can just go back to those things. I feel like. I love that. Um, And then finally, um, I want to talk about intentionality and purpose. How do you invest in your personal walk with Christ and not see it in quote as part of your job and let it get familiar or routine? Because I know I've often um, chatted to friends who work for churches or Christian organizations, and it can be a really fine line because you're kind of doing faith um, for someone who's not familiar for five to six to seven days a week. So how do you not make the lines blurred between your personal relationship with Christ and your job? I think I talk to my friends about this all the time um, when we're talking about just being in faith and actually having to work at a church, um, but also making sure that we have a personal relationship with God. I think it's important for us to be reminded that just because we're doing stuff for church doesn't mean that it's building our relationship with Jesus. And for me, I've had to take the personal responsibility. I can't put the responsibility on anyone else to build my relationship with Jesus. I can't solely put the responsibility on a Sunday service to build my relationship with Jesus. And so I've taken the personal responsibility of finding ways to connect with God and to make sure that I'm doing what I can do to fill myself up because I know that if I don't have anything to pour out to people, it's going to be evident very quickly um, that I'm kind of running on empty. And so for me in my personal life, what, what I've done is just my personal devotional time and my study time has been really important for me where I, I want to make sure that I'm taking personal time in the morning, that I'm spending time in worship and prayer and devotional, but then also that I'm taking time to learn something new about God and learn something new about the Bible. There's this book that I'm reading called Eat This Book by Eugene Peterson. And Peterson, and it's all about how to read the Bible from a spiritual perspective. Like, how do we read the Bible? Not just to say, all right, I read it today and I'm good, but how do I actually read for it to actually fill me up? And so I've been doing things... Uh, that helped me to learn more about the Bible. I've been listening to this podcast that I rave about all the time. It's called Bema. And it's really helping people to 
work through the Bible through this Eastern perspective. So the Bible was written uh, with an Eastern perspective to an Eastern audience. And sometimes us on the West, it's hard for us to understand certain things. And so I've been going through this podcast, just getting different revelation of how to see the Bible and how to actually get real context of it. And that helps my personal journey of knowing that I'm not just relying on just because I did something at work today uh, to, to be like, all right, I'm good. Like I spent time with God. Like I really do have to create in my schedule, personal time with God, study time with God, worship time, devotional time, all these different things, because it is easy to get caught up in the doing. Um, and the beautiful thing about God is that he just wants us to rest um, and to rest in him and to rest in his finished work. So yes, I do have to work for a church, but when it comes to God, I'm just resting, not working. Wow. Um, what has your journey of understanding purpose and calling been? Um, and I ask from the perspective that I think when I first became a Christian, um, although I'm doing something very faith-based now, I had this, um, I guess, misplaced notion that I could only be um, pursuing God's purpose in my life if it were explicitly Christian. Um, and although that's what I'm doing, I don't think that's for everyone. So what has been your journey of understanding that? And what advice would you give for someone who's trying to work that out? Yeah, I think purpose comes in so many different ways. And I think the big thing for me was trying to find purpose. And what I've learned is that purpose, uh, sometimes we think it's like this aha moment that God's going to be like, all right, you're going to do this now. And this is your purpose. But purpose comes in different seasons. Like my purpose in this season might be different than my purpose in another season. So it might look different. The way that I'm fulfilling my purpose doesn't, there's no one way that it has to look like. It doesn't have to look like preaching. It doesn't have to look like singing. It can look like different things. It can just be me calling the old friend and seeing how their relationship with God is. That might be my purpose. And so I think when people look at purpose, like if I just take every day asking God, hey God, what direction do you want me to go in? Or what are you asking from me? Or what do you want to see from me? Uh, like someone said this to me, like you'll never know your purpose unless you spend time with God. And that changed everything for me because I was looking for purpose in so many different things. And it was not until I was like, all right, let me spend time with God, see what God is saying. God began to reveal purpose to me. And it's one of those things where it is a revelation. It's an uncovering where it's like this this mystery thing that we have to figure out and that we have to find. But I think when we get on the journey of trying to find purpose, God meets us right where we are, where we can learn that purpose is what God is asking us to do in that season. And it could be being a lawyer, being a doctor, whatever it might look like. Um, I think there's, there's no one way to live out your purpose. I feel like God really helps us to find our purpose and it, it looks different in every season. It looks different for every person. And so um, I can't say that I'm not living out my purpose just because I'm not doing what somebody else is doing. Like I just have to know what God is asking me to do and I have to live in that. And I have to understand that that's the purpose that God has called me to right now. And it might be different, um, but I want to just be obedient in the season that God has me in. Wow. And so how do you learn to be content um, in your purpose in every season? Because I've been studying Joseph um, again recently. And I think so often, even the culture and times that we live in is always focused on like the destination or the future or the kind of big grand purpose that is hugely impactful but then how do you um yeah I guess feel contentment in where God has you for each and every single day yeah I think just 
learning not to look to the left or to the right or feeling like, well, God, I need this. I don't want to have this like entitlement of like, there's things that I want that I don't have yet. Um, but I have to understand that there's so many things that God has given me. I, I just want to learn how to enjoy where I'm at now. I want to enjoy the apartment that I'm in now. I want to enjoy the car that I have now. And I've just learned to, to understand that I may not have everything that I want, um, but God has given me what I need. God has exceeded my expectations in some place. And I just have to learn how to be grateful for that. Just having a heart of gratitude, just looking at my life and saying, hey, what can I be grateful for right now? Not what can I wish that I had. Um, I think it's changing our perspective and just having a heart of gratitude and living with that gratitude each and everything. I think a grateful heart is a content heart. So if I can keep my gratefulness, I can keep my contentment. Amazing. Um, so what has your relationship with Jesus and the Bible taught you about being intentional? Yeah, I think my relationship with Jesus and, and really just studying the Bible has taught me that being intentional is so important because we don't have time to waste. Like I was just thinking about that the other day that, you know, I have to do what God has called me to do today and not just tomorrow. I think about some friends who don't know Jesus and sometimes I'll shy away from the conversation or I'll be like, man, I'll talk to them about it another time or I'll invite them to this thing. But the intentionality is, is really what should drive me to say, Hey, like I want to actually be intentional with helping people, somebody along the journey of knowing that I need to actually uh, be there and be present and to be engaged. And I think there's so many people who have been intentional with me and with my journey. It in turn helped me to be intentional with other people and learning that it's important to just like, I don't want to just think about someone randomly. I want to write down the people that I'm praying for. I want to be intentional about what I want to do in the season, what I want to learn in the season, who I want to connect with. And so I think that I've learned that people who are intentional uh, really can get a whole lot done because it's not just randomness. And sometimes life is full of that, but then it's, it's actually having a focus. And so just being able to be focused on um, who you need to connect with in life. And for me, that's been a big thing in this season of quarantine. I'm thinking, I'm like, who do I need to connect with? Like, who have I kind of not shared Jesus with? Or who have I not really had conversations with? I want to be more intentional about that because I don't want to waste any more time when um, there's people who are struggling and people who are hurting that um, can be helped with the love of Jesus. Thank you so much, Manushka. It's been such a privilege to talk to you. Um, and yeah, your story is inspirational and I'm really excited to share this with our community. Thank you. That means a whole lot to me. Thank oh. you for taking the time to chat with me. And this was awesome. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from this, go ahead and share this with them. Also, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps us out. See you next time.